0: Welcome to my new show, The Dr. Jerry Fishkin Show. Well, I'm Dr. Jerry Fishkin. My goal is to bring the consulting room to your living room. Your feedback will help make this show a show not for me, but for you. So sit back, relax, and let's jump in. Dr. Jerry Fishkin, and welcome to my show. Today's episode is part two of a three-part series devoted to firefighter and paramedic stress and burnout. Today we will look at organizational and systemic factors which contribute to stress and burnout within the fire service. My knowledge and understanding of stress and burnout within the fire service is derived in part from my first-hand experience living in firehouses across Southern California for over six months, as well as providing consultation services to many fire departments. Since the publication of my second book, Firefighter and Paramedic Burnout, The Survival Guide, The Role You Play, over 30 years ago, I have treated hundreds of firefighters and paramedics, fire officials and administrators, and their families. Through their intimate stories and experiences with me, I've been able to see how they coped with stress and trauma, as well as the effects on their families and other close relationships. Firefighters and paramedics are not invincible. Stress-related injuries now account for approximately 14%, 14% of all occupational injury claims, up from 5% in 1980. A more recent study found that 65% of workers said that workplace stress had caused difficulties and more than 10% described these as having major and significant effects on their employment and their self. The International Association of Firefighters annual death and injury survey reports a continuing increase in mental stress claims among America's firefighters and paramedic personnel. The early warning signs are visible, if you know where to look. Every organization has forces within it that result in employee stress. Organizational stress in the fire service pertains to those forces within a department that are always present and operate so that not only the department as a whole, but the community they serve pays dearly. There are aspects of firefighting that generate anxiety, crisis, and trauma. And most firefighters know and would readily agree that there are also internal departmental factors that create or intensify emotional distress within its employees. A major complaint regarding occupational stress among firefighters and paramedics was attributed to job pressures. Well, my goal here is to emphasize the need for a heightened awareness of existing organizational stress factors early detection and intervention of stress among employees, and most importantly, the need to work toward the elimination of interdepartmental stress conditions. Firefighting is labor-intensive. This is supported by the fact that approximately 90% of any department's annual budget is spent on its personnel. It stands to reason that it would be cost-effective to prevent stress-related disorders. Many departments and agencies today treat stress on a purely crisis intervention basis. However, by addressing departmental factors instead, the problem of organizational stress can be dealt with directly. Due to the paramilitary nature of firefighting with its rigid chain of command and negative system of reinforcement, there are certain stress factors that will not and cannot be changed. Some factors which are unique to a particular department can be changed to the benefit of all once we detect them. The level of morale within a department is a significant indicator of employee satisfaction and also provides an index of employee productivity. Consequently, the greater the employee morale, the higher the payoff to the entire department and the population it serves. One of the biggest problems we see as a stress factor organizationally is the lack of managerial skills as a factor of stress. Now, the profession of firefighting has grown from a volunteer organization with those administrators proving themselves on the fire ground and in the political arena of the organization itself. Now, in the past, coming up through the ranks meant growing by experience and self-education. There was little emphasis on formal education, nor prescribed methods of training for up-and-coming officers. The importance of training and education has grown in recent years, especially in relation to managerial skills. There is a general recognition of the increased need for complex communication, personnel, fire, ground and political systems management. Today's manager cannot simply couple his innate ability to lead with his years of experience. He must now be a manager of people and resources who must expertly interpose with all phases of local, state, and federal government. He must communicate well with his subordinates and superiors, not only verbally, but also in writing. Stress in the fire service occurs when there is a conflict between the older administrators, which are locked into their outdated methods of managing, and the younger, more educated firefighters trained to understand the complexities of management. The older firefighters want the control of the familiar ways of handling problems the newer firefighters expect a more professional approach to handling problems. Today innovations in technology and advanced systems management concepts are rapidly coming to the forefront in public administration as the need to do more with less becomes an economic reality. In the past fire administrators have been able to say that theirs is a technically special department requiring skills that do not generally apply to public administration practices or other departments even. The reality is that fire department managers seldom, if ever, fight fires. They spend most of their time managing people and resources, communicating with superiors and subordinates. So hence, today's firefighter managers They need a base of knowledge regarding the political, social, and economic environment, managerial processes, analytical tools, individual, group, and organizational behavior. Without this base of knowledge of equal opportunity employment, affirmative action, workers' compensation, and computer skills, the fire manager feels the stress of incompetence and struggles to make important decisions based on experiences in an antiquated management system. This stress is also felt by the new firefighters as he cannot communicate well with the older managers. The new firefighter knows there is something wrong but is forced by tradition to mold his style to that of his superiors. Any thought of change on the part of the new firefighter is usually met with, you haven't been on the job long enough to comment, kind of end of quote. In 1969, the Myers-Milius Brown Act granted public employees the right to labor union representation and collective bargaining. Since then, employee morale in many departments has been significantly affected by an us against them labor management relationship, especially when contract negotiations and other agreements cannot be satisfactorily conducted. In many cases, the constant pressure of these two factions bucking horns in an adversarial way has been seen as an added stressor in the lives of many firefighters. So organizational stress factors, what are they? My experience indicates that every department has its own unique conditions, which significantly affect employee morale. In general, however, the following factors apply to the firefighting profession and are associated with employee stress. Number one, labor management friction. And as we've talked about, this creates significant ongoing stress and may result in employee burnout. Number two, excessive paperwork. Firefighters are inundated with paperwork, reports, record-keeping, and other such bureaucratic requirements uh, that add a dimension to the occupation of firefighting that many firefighters uh, and officers have difficulty coping with. While the basic and essential functions of firefighting remain to be carried out, the additional paper load serves as an added stressor to many uh, fire officers. Officers question this, the necessity of such record keeping. In time many fire officers begin to question the validity of their own work efforts and due to the fact that they over identify with their profession in time many fire officers begin to question the validity of their own work efforts and due to the fact that they over-identify with their profession, begin to question their own self-worth as well as their worth to the organization. Number three, poor detection and management of stress-related disorders. Fire administrators also suffer from stress. However, unlike firefighters below the level of captain, command personnel are expected to perform in an exemplary manner, despite their own emotional and psychological problems. And I've dealt with many of these these guys and gals, wonderful people. But they have to hide their stuff. From my clinical experience, members of administration do not typically avail themselves of stress management services to the same extent that firefighters and paramedics do. Therefore, Many fire administrators function on a less than adequate level due to their own stress-related problems. This can compromise their judgment and managerial ability. Number four, loss of soft jobs to civilian employees. In many departments, and I've seen this over and over again, there is a growing trend toward placing civilian employees in positions once occupied by firefighting personnel many of these inside or soft uh, positions uh, were available to firefighters who were experiencing stress and needed a change from their earlier assignment with these positions now handled by civilians firefighters feel that there is no place for them to temporarily decompress while they attempt to deal with their stress number five Fire station assignment by the seniority bid system. Older firefighters, due to their seniority, often elect to spend the, the last part of their career in slower fire stations. That's, you can understand that. Thus, firefighters who are approaching burnout cannot decrease their own level of activity and stress or recuperate in the slower station because resting spots are frequently occupied. Number six, hiring individuals who do not meet standard employment criteria. Incompetent employees are seen as a management problem if employment standards are compromised, especially due to poor screening and training programs at the recruit level. Number six, the inability to tolerate enforced idleness. Although many firefighters must attribute overwork as a principal cause of stress, idleness can be seen as a factor of occupational stress. Having little to do for a 24-hour period can be very stressful for some firefighters who thrive on high activity. Firefighters, in my book, are like verbs. They're action figures, and so enforced idleness oftentimes drives them just crazy. Number seven, stress and cardiac illness. And this is a big one. Frequently, stress manifests itself in cardiac disorders. A recent study of occupational retirements in the fire service found heart disease to be the primary factor of occupational disability and employee death. An early comprehensive study of firefighter work injuries and illness indicated that Considerable experimental and clinical evidence has shown that the following factors are more common to firefighters than the general male population and are predisposing in the causation of severe cardiac disorders, including the stress of firefighting, environmental stress, heat and cold, trauma and shock, including secondary trauma or vicarious trauma, burns, inhalation of smoke and gases including carbon monoxide so in that regard i offer the following recommendations for departments to consider for the reduction of cardiovascular deaths as well as other stress-related illnesses to firefighters and paramedics careful selection pre-employment physicals and laboratory tests are very important annual re-examination enforced no smoking restrictions, weight control programs, diet control program, including a diet low in saturated fats and salt, physical fitness programs emphasizing endurance type physical exercise, improved respiratory equipment, supplying safety officers at all fires, Monitoring stress under combat conditions. Mandatory post-trauma debriefing for all involved in a major catastrophe. Regular physical examinations can be used to detect changes in EKGs and blood pressure. Triglyceride levels can be modified by diet and medication. Firehouse diets that meet medically established guidelines have been advocated as a means of combating heart disease. One problem is uh, that might arise with special firehouse diets is who will pay for the food? Also, firefighters now buy their own food, but are free to choose what they want to eat or will eat. Another consideration is that the hoped for effects of the diet might be obviated by the type of food eaten by firefighters on their days off. Another program already instituted by many fire departments is participation by firefighters in sports, physical training and exercise. These activities develop muscular strength, flexibility, agility and stamina which are necessary physical characteristics for firefighters, and we would expect that. Sports activities develop some of these characteristics, but probably to a lesser extent than physical training programs designed to meet fitness objectives. Among the activities that will produce a training effect are running, swimming, and cycling. So in conclusion, The structure of the organization contributes greatly to firefighter stress. At present, not enough is being done, but fortunately, organizations can be changed through awareness, education, and a conscious effort on the part of management to reduce those conditions which create stress and burnout. The fire service, which I truly love and care about is steeped in tradition and conformity, and often with a strong reluctance to change, but change it must. In order to survive, they must adapt to new methods and technologies. In this regard, C.S. Lewis, the British novelist and poet said, "'You can't go back and change the beginning, "'but you can start where you are and change the ending.'" I wanna thank each of you for listening. If what I said today has meaning for you, please do not hesitate contacting me at my email or visit my website at drgeraldfishkin.com or at my Facebook page. Also, it's Jerry with a G, not a J. For an expanded understanding of firefighter and paramedic stress and burnout, pick up a copy of my book, Firefighter and Paramedic Burnout, The Survival Guide, The Role You Play, directly from Amazon, or Parker's Brothers Publishers. And we'll show this to you at the end of the show on the screen. I also want to take this time to thank each of you who have been so kind as to write and email me with your wonderful comments and suggestions. Your positive regard has been overwhelming. And remember, If there's a topic that you suggested and we use on my show, you will be rewarded with one of our Good Fish production mugs and an on-screen acknowledgement of your contribution. Our show intends to be fully interactive. So please, let us hear from you. And let us hear from you now. Until the next episode of the Dr. Jerry Fishkin Show, where we'll take an in-depth look at individual factors associated with firefighter and paramedic stress and burnout and what we can do to treat it I'm Dr. Jerry Fishkin wishing you love hugs and all my best well cooper what did you think huh you, you you don't want to be a firefighter huh you you like things a little easier in life huh okay and you don't like to be away for 3 days at a time from your your daddy huh and your mommy okay so that was it. Here's my stress reducer. I hope you enjoyed the show. What did you think? Did you enjoy sitting on Daddy's lap? No? Okay. It's too bad. So say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. I'm Daddy and Cooper saying I hope you see us at our next episode of the Dr. Jerry Fishkin Show. Hey.